Hey guys, welcome to this week's Money and Investing Show. This week we are looking at three core money-making moves. These are big moves. They're moves anyone can make and they're important ones to make right now. Make sure you take plenty of notes. Most importantly, take plenty of action. Look forward to seeing you in the show. Hey guys, welcome to this week's Money and Investing Show with me, your host, Andrew Baxter, and as always, my offsider, Mitchell Laurential. Thank you for having me on the show, Mr. Baxter. Looking spectacular, as always, clearly making some good moves in the wardrobe as well as the stock market. <laughs> Importantly, though, as my segues get worse and worse every week somehow. I'm looking forward to the Christmas break. I don't oh, know if I can handle too many of these segues. Tell I'm, me about I'm, it. I'm segued out. And we'll still be, probably still be on Zoom every day. But anyway, parking that to the side. Our three best money moves today is what I want to chat about. Was that one that was sent in by a listener just out of interest? I think it was from memory. The production team briefed me this morning. I think it was a listener, one of our long timers sent that in. And that, that's that's a good note for everybody out there. If you want to see us cover anything, um, flick it through. And this this is uh, this is going to be interesting because I mean narrowing it down to three is pretty hard. We're probably going to overlap in a lot of instances, but let's try and keep them different. So effectively, our viewers will get six of the best money moves. Okay, and I, I suspect they will be because I mean they're the foundations of success. So first one for me, um, uh, definitely budgeting. Um, Don't we love it? Yeah, it's um, my, my my dad. For those people that haven't listened, I did an interview with my dad a, a little while ago. You know, the view of the world through an octogen engineering's lens and, and you know he had a tough life um, and and installed into me some uh, both of my parents did some really important lessons budgeting you know not spending more than you have you know save your money for a rainy day um, you know don't gear up too much and borrow uh, all of those sorts of things and I guess from a, a really early age and I remember actually um, you know the schools used to do the uh, the banks used to come around the schools and you used to get your money box and put all your coin in on a Commonwealth bank do that and back in my time it was Midland which is now uh, part of HSBC um, came around and did their Griffin Saver program and I remember now I mean this is going back you know more than 10 years obviously and and uh, and yeah it's this notion of, of saving and, and not just saving I guess we'll get into some other things around this but what well, once you've got it saved what are you then going to do with it whereas if you don't save if you're in a position where you spend look, it's finance 101 Mitch but if you spend more than what you own you're never getting any surplus to invest or do anything with so you know absolutely crucial so must have savings and more importantly then the next step is what to then do with those savings uh, can, I, can i stop you there yeah. just so just to jump in for yeah. our viewers what age did you really start budgeting and how did you actually do it so my first job job paid job well, my parents never gave me pocket money they didn't have money to give me pocket money I, I do and I, i'm of the same view with my kids and i do have money i i, I think pocket money is child welfare if someone's going to do something in exchange for it, that's a different matter. And I'm not talking about slave labor, but I'm talking about an exchange of effort for reward as opposed to just the put your hand out and get stuff. Um, so I'd do stuff around the house. Yeah, I'd help out clean windows. Like my dad and I used to fix cars or my dad used to fix cars and I'd help him in the garage at the weekend. Weld, he'd weld and I'd help him do that. So, you know, he used to pay me five pounds for a Saturday helping him out in the garage, which, you know, five quid when you're, you know, 12, 13 years old Happy is, days. is, is you know, decent money. So my first job was on a farm, a bit of laboring on a Saturday morning. And then I moved into working in the village bakery, pound an hour. Uh, and I used to work after school and at weekends there. So, um, really from that formal intro prior to that working in the garage of my dad um so probably 12 13 i would say um and i always saved you always save your money son and i had a, a bank account where i could save it and and you could watch the interest growing and 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 and, and he said look at that you see that money's working for you not like me working in the garage busting my nut and it's funny how many australians or how many people at large 
really forget about having a budget. Yeah. Pay comes in every week, and there's usually nothing left at the end of it. But you have to have to mm. split it up. Well, and it's not just it's it, the lesson from that too. I mean, you know, I, I, I can't spend what I have. I don't. I, I'm saying that to brag. I, I don't need to budget, but I still do. I don't have a fixed budget. I can only you still spend budget now. I don't spend what I earn. Yeah, that would be some I'll fun. That, that would have some fun. I'll, I'll leave that to <laughs> other members of my family. Um, but at the same time, you know, we go back and we've talked about different things. Do you need it or do you want it? But that notion of it's not about the fun police either. It's such a fundamental skill set to have because we're talking about budgeting in the personal context. If I look at it from a business perspective, and you know, and I've run my own businesses of you know of, of quite some size for for, for a long time now. Um, not once, and I'm so proud to say this, not once since the day that we opened the door have we had a negative month in terms of bottom line. And it's because we do watch the bottom line. And, you know, and it's not about being miserly and penny pinching. You know, we've all got great tech. We've, we've got everything that we need. We've got a great working environment and we do lots of fun stuff. Um, but nonetheless, you have to watch that bottom line because if you don't, it can blow out of the water really quickly. And I think that's why, you know, was it 70, 80% of businesses go bust in the first year because they've got no concept of managing the bottom line. And if you look at most people, neither have they. Ultimately, what it boils down to as well is just the the, the values that, that shine through this because budgeting and really truly appreciating money for what it is and the work mm. you've put in to be able to save and then invest only comes with good values around it. 100%. All right, what about yourself? Ooh, best money move I ever made was probably first and foremost actually having some goals. Mm. Um, any road will take you nowhere, as a famous man once said. So for me, when I, when I started full-time here in particular, um, and I, it's funny, I actually the other day, I have all my money and investing journals in my office mm. and I go back to the ones I was using four or five years ago and I look at some of the money goals that I had back then to now. How many ticks have you got? Pretty much all of them, about 70, 80% of them are ticks. <laughs> and it's funny because the goals are pretty much the exact same. It's mm. just the amounts that have changed over the timeframes. Mm. And I think when I, when I first worked here full time and, um, and really got into things, knowing what I was working towards, which for me back then was an investment property, which I thankfully have now, yep. and I'm looking at a second one actually, believe it mm. or not, to actually say, okay, what do I need to do to get there? Mm. Which by default meant that being a Virgo, I was able just to follow that plan to the letter <laughs> and get well, there. I remember, you know, plenty of conversations we had when you're talking about, you know, your first property transaction and, you know, multi-dwelling, whether it's this, whether it's that, and, 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 and you played it perfectly. You know, and, and it's hats off to you because, you know, it's, it's not easy for anybody to get started in the property market at any age, and the fact that you've been able to do it at a pretty young age isn't by accident. It's been very much by design, and that journaling process that we use to have you know that that clarity as to what you want is crucial because most people don't have what they want in life because they actually haven't sat down and worked out well what is it. Totally. Mm. And one thing I'd also say out there to, to any listeners who may be in the same position as me, where they're young and fresh and, and are really hungry for goals is even though you might be hitting your goals, don't have any lifestyle inflation with that. If you can keep <laughs> your lifestyle the same and you can keep hitting goals, you will yeah. forever find yourself in yeah. front. It's, it's so true. I, I remember my dad saying, it doesn't matter how much you earn, you'll always find a way of, of, of spending it. And if you think about something you know, as as innocuous as socks or something like that, you know, and you go from you know, your, your 10 pack for five bucks at Big W, you're not getting anything for five bucks, I suppose, but you know what I mean? Mm. And then it just goes the next, and then it's brand, and then it's another brand, and then it's another brand, and on it goes until you're spending, you know, 100 bucks on a pair of socks, which is just ridiculous. But, you know, that's your lifestyle spend going up. Yeah, you know, maybe the choice of wine or the cut of meat or where you go or 
you go to the movies, you go gold class, all those things can creep up. So well done for keeping clear on what you want. And I don't think there'll just be a second property that will start your empire. Absolutely. Let's hope so. What's your second one for you? Well, talking of property, for me, um, I think absolutely was my first property in London. Um, and the reason I think that was so so important to me is I was making good money and it's a question of putting it where you can, but then making good money in London and buying a property, <laughs> you know, you're still very limited on, on affordability, especially when, you know, I was you know, around your age. And um, and I think for me that was really important and the process I went through for it. Um, you know, I have my background from my parents of, you know, buy what you can afford, uh, which I did. I bought in a suburb which wouldn't be necessarily somewhere I'd choose to live, certainly not now. Um, but at the time was what I could could afford. I'm not going to say comfortably because it was a stretch, but nonetheless, I could afford it with some with some budgeting and uh, and whatnot. Um, and I, I built into there. I over, always overpaid my mortgage. Uh, I always kept ahead of it um, if I could because it's effectively an offset savings account for one of a better description. Sure. And that particular property really was fantastic because I bought in an area just before it popped and it was I'm not going to say it was by design it was there was an element of of good fortune in there um but yeah and it was great and it served it served me really well when uh, when I was working in the city because I could walk to work from where I was uh, you know, which given the number of tube strikes and so on that that, that plague London and certainly at that particular time um yeah well my colleagues are taking an hour and a half two hours and cranky getting 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 to the to, to work you know it's a 15 minute walk fantastic and I guess the message there is get invested because you can't yeah. save your way to wealth. You've got to no, invest. You've got to have a real asset that's that's growing. Uh, and, and, and yeah, that, that suburb popped and, uh, and I, I would have pulled probably about 400% out of that over about wow. a fairly short period of time, like over about a six-year period. Which you then parlayed into other investments yeah. and there was your start. Ex- exactly right. And, uh, you know, so, you know, that, 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 that was really critical. And I look at a lot of my, my colleagues and friends at the time um, they elected to, and they were earning great money too. And their lifestyle bill, trust me, was 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 brutal. And and, and they rented because they wanted to live in a certain place, and that's great. But if you're not in the ownership space, and and this goes to today, because so many people are stuck on that rental um, um, platform, which is really really hard to get off. And then it's the affordability of getting in. You just got to bite the bullet as early as you possibly can to get started. It's never a bad time to start as long as it was yesterday or the day before. Oh, yesterday you said tomorrow, just mm. do it. Famous Nike quote. Love it. Good stuff. For yourself, number two, what do you got for me? Ooh, number two. I reckon a, a big one for me, AB, was I guess when I started to combine my performance of my investments, being in the share market, property market, mm-hmm. and then as well as you know my employment income, being structured um, mm. actually yeah. makes a very, very big difference. And I know you gave this advice to me very early on, get yourself set up properly because mm. being able to run expenses through that, how you're structured and whatnot mm. can uh, can make a very big difference on the bottom line. Well, we, we are in a high tax country. It's going to be a higher tax country too, based on the budget, I would imagine. And 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 and, and it's so true. And oftentimes, yeah, we meet a lot of clients that when you get the money, then you're going to get structured. The challenge, particularly if you've done the property, is if you start to change the ownership structure of that, there's a level of stamp duty that you've got to pay. So it becomes very, very expensive to unpack it and, and, and reset it up. I guess in, in in the most effective asset protection, tax efficient, uh, that's gonna gonna really work for you. So you know, dig dig the well before you need the water. Put the horse in front of the cart, and every other cliche that goes with it. But spending some time working on the end game, um, as structuring is is huge. And I always remember, you know, um, 
and we talked about this a while ago, you know, the lessons from the green room, talking with Mark Boris of all people. And uh, his whole philosophy of business-wise and everything is work on your exit strategy before you get in. You've got to know what you're doing. And I think to an extent, structuring is exactly that. You've got to work on how does this need to be so that what I'm building, I'm not going to outgrow in terms of, of where I'm at. Totally. And I think just have that conversation with your accountant. This Mm. is what I'm earning. This is what I'm looking to do. Mm. What are my options? And you'll probably find there's a few things you can tweak, if not get fully set up Mm. in a different entity, which makes a whole big difference. 100%. And, 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 you know, there'll be some people that are possibly a little cynical or want to have a shotgun. Oh, you know, rich people do this and that. But, you know, it goes for everybody. If you're in a position, for example, where you're a pay-as-you-go employee, it becomes a little bit more challenging. But nonetheless, you know, things like negative gearing, if you're not using it, you should be to try and get some tax benefit if you're a property investor. So the rules are there to be used. uh, And uh, and structuring certainly is a great way to, um, is a great way to access them. So what I'm forgetting yourself structured in the right way because that you you won't outgrow that structure. Absolutely. Thank God. Mm. Number three for you, AB. Number three for me, I think, um, would be risk management and learning Ooh. about risk management. Um, you know, everything always looks optimistic on the way in. You think, oh, this is great, best thing ever. So glad I've learned about this. Um, yeah, my first investment in the stock market um, should have been enough to put me off having a career in it. And uh, I lost all my dough. Um, I was only young. Um, I didn't have a clue what I was doing. Uh, and I went all in on something, which, you know, would prove to be, you know, I didn't know any better, frankly. Um, and, um, and that hurt. And I think sometimes when you have a setback, um, a setback is really a setup for the next level. I think it's John Maxwell, brilliant book, Falling Forwards. So whatever happens, even if it's even if it's a um, a, a not good outcome, there are there are seeds of positives in there. So for me, um, yeah, realizing that, gee, yeah, you can lose all your money if you've got no idea what you're doing. Learn a bit more about it, and that's that's exactly what I did. I said about learning a, a little bit more about it, uh, and my next investment was an absolute bell ringer. Uh, paid for me to go to university. You know, five grand into you know quite a decent chunk of coin. Um, and 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 that only came through from learning you know how to identify risk didn't really then even know much about it you think you do it's like everything the biggest risk of all is what you don't know yeah you know, and you look back on that some you know 30 odd years later uh, and go okay the, again there might have been a bit of good fortune in, in that particular investment um but uh, yeah risk management for me because as i as i tell all of our clients at any opportunity it's never what you make it's what you get to keep uh, and we're in challenging times in the economy right now and just focusing on upside is not the lens to look through you've got to counterbalance it with with okay where's my risk in this so that if things go catastrophically wrong how does it leave me if it goes a little bit wrong how does it leave me and if it runs perfectly where am i at and like prepare for the worst expect the best and uh, and away you go so question to you on that at the moment, you've got effectively what is an empire, you know, raging business, houses, property, shares, all that kind of mm. thing. How do you manage risk now that you've come that far along? Mm, that's a very good question. Structuring for one, <laughs> um, definitely structuring because, uh, you know, from you know, tax efficiency and, and uh, asset protection, those two things uh, you know, were, were pretty high up on my list. Uh, with my my accountant when when we when we did my structuring, and and don't forget structuring will change over time when you get married and you have a family. All of those things can come in, but structuring from a risk mitigation point of view is huge. Secondly, um, yeah, I'm not a big fan of gearing. Uh, I have used it, um, but. I don't like debt. Um, I always, my dad always used to say to me, you know, as long as you owe someone money, you don't own yourself, which to an extent is true. That's probably cost me a lot uh, in terms of I could have done and created a lot more 
uh, wealth by being more geared. And, and I've got mates that, are, that just can't get enough gearing. Uh, and, and that's great. That's their, their beat to run to. But I think, you know, your perspective of risk and how you want to do it is it, it's rather like music. Everyone's got their favorite genre and favorite song within that genre. And mine just happens to be that I, I don't like risk. I'm, I'm actually reasonably concerned. Some of my trades are aggressive. I appreciate that. <laughs> they certainly were when I was younger. Um, but I don't like risk. So I like to try and lay off. So, you know, with all of my trading decisions, I have a level of risk management in there, whether it be a stop loss or buying insurance or, or a particular outcome that I will take with the trade if it doesn't pan out in the way that I'd like. Um, you know, we had some examples of that trading volatility um, earlier uh, in this year where it, it, there was a, a perfectly defined strategy to, to to be able to trade out of a position and end up coming out of it quite nicely uh, through, through a particular style of trading, I suppose, would be the best way. In regards to property, yeah, look, again, you know, making sure as a landlord that you have insurance is crucial, um, you know, not just in terms of the buildings and content, but landlord insurance too um, is, is an example of risk mitigation in the property space. Um, yeah, and, and in life, just not doing dumb stuff. Uh, I mean, because you, know, and, and, you can have a target on your back too. You know, people think it's an easy mark because, you know, you got a bit of coin, let's go after you kind of thing. So just be smart and sensible in what you do. And, and I, I, I think... A good example is that we've got a mutual friend, we'll leave, leave names and details out, who for, and I've known the guy for, I don't know, about maybe 13 or 14 years, and he's done a fantastic job of staying under the radar. He's just Mr. Anonymous, quietly going about his business. And we've got another, we've got a client like that too. Um, I think I know who you're yeah, talking about here. And, and you would not pick him from a bar of soap. And he's done a terrific job of staying under the radar. And that all blew up when he sold a property, quite a high profile property for you know a, a, a decent chunk of coin. And all of a sudden that advantage that he had, that, that, that money skill that he had by no one knowing anything about him was gone because he's very much in the public space. And, uh, and I think, you know, from a risk perspective, keeping, keeping under the radar a little bit and not being too showy and, and putting a target on yourself is, 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 is probably a life example of that. It's very hard. I mean, we, we, we've got massive social media profile uh, and I'm the face of our business. So in that respect, I guess it's, you know, it's almost a bit of a you know, sort of oxymoron that I'm talking about that. But I think just generally in life, not making a lot of noise and staying under the radar, not look at me, it's just, just go about your business. That's a great way of ensuring risk stays away from you. I think it's a matter of would you rather be rich or would you rather people know that you're rich? Yeah. You'd rather actually be it. Hundred percent, you know, and, and we've, we've spoken to those sorts of things previously, and yeah, I think that's 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 a big risk mitigator, uh, hugely. Final one for you. What's your third? Ooh. In all seriousness, I think the the third one for me, the one of the best moves I ever made was just getting started young with money. <laughs> and look, I guess this probably ties back to goals and values. But when I was eighteen, nineteen, fresh out of uni and starting my journey here. You know, most of my mates were traveling or yeah. partying and whatnot. And that's great because that's what they wanted. And fast forward four or five years later, they're in the same situation. Mm. I guess I probably took the other route where I wanted to hustle. And now I fast forward four or five years later, I've got the opportunity where I've had a massive head start financially, but mm. I also can travel and I can do what I want because I did the hard yards early Absolutely. so that I could reap the rewards now. And I would say to anyone who's, who's young and who's genuinely serious about that is, if you truly want it, 
you know, forget all the noise and just mm. get it done because once you get to the certain point over the hill, you can start to do it all mm. and do it better. And, and have, have it all effectively, yeah. yeah. It's interesting, and I, I mean, getting started young is key. I'm just thinking one of, my, one of our clients, great guy, um, David Zohar, uh, and I remember he brought his daughter, Rodham, I think. That's her, yeah. Um, through through our, one of our face-to-face boot camps sort of pre, pre-pandemic. Back in the day, yeah. I think she was... 14 maybe at the time and he was adamant that he wanted to give his kids a great education great values and uh, and and you know a lot of people go oh how can you bring your kids and we encourage that we want people to bring their kids through because you know this is about creating intergenerational wealth and it's about giving them the lessons that maybe took you a few years in life to get uh, at that earliest opportunity and and i couldn't agree with you more the younger you get started and it's not about being like a child prodigy you know dookie hauser of finance or whatever it may be Remember Doogie Howser? Is that wasted on you? I think so. Doogie Howser, MD. It was like this, this kid that was a doctor. Terrible TV show and terrible, terrible example. But nonetheless, <laughs> um, he and, and, and this isn't about being a child prodigy. It's just about getting your backside into gear through a level of clarity and, and, and making it happen. Yet we we seem to sometimes fall foul of accepting all these roadblocks that aren't necessarily real. They're inherited or perceived. Oh, you can't do it yet. You're too young. Or you should go and see the world first or, you know, have some fun and colour in your life before you settle down. All the all the sort of cliches and life rules that people um, usually that don't have anything throw around. And in reality is it isn't a, it isn't an, a mutually exclusive. You can have this, but that you can't have that. If you if you plan it out as you have, you know you got a great trip coming up to the US. You can have a couple of was it three weeks over there in New yep. York and uh, and uh, having a great time and, and and it's richly deserved. But you've still got properties, still got a nice car, you've still got other investments Buzz, yeah. that are working for you, and you've also got momentum that that might be where the scorecard sits with what you have now, but. That's where the scorecard sits today. It's growing because you have momentum. Whereas if you haven't got started, oh, when I get back from my travels, or oh, I'm gonna, I won't, I'll wait till I'm 25 and then I'll think about property. Or um, once I get this amount saved up, it's, they're all just markers that are just stallers, if you will, that stop you getting anything. And yeah, like I say, you can't get started early enough. And if you had your time over again, I was pretty keen when I got started, but I'd try and start even earlier than what I did. Absolutely, uh, it'd be shame with the sort of at that point in time you don't know what we know now but I guess that's the beauty of having these kind of conversations that try and impart some level of of wisdom if it comes across that way it's not by any means supposed to be sanctimonious it's designed to help people just get your finger out and get started uh, but we we can often put these sort of barriers in oh, I'll do, when I've done this or after that I'll start or in the new year I'll get there and then there's the next thing that comes up and oh, I've got this wedding to go to so when I'm back and yeah just get on and get it done. And, and it's not about being a millionaire at 25 or anything like that. It's just if you're young and you can at least just start to educate yourself on what it means to invest and save and that kind of thing, it makes a huge difference. It, 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 it's vast. And the key thing more than anything, if you go back to the sort of rules of wealth, is that the younger you get it done, you've got compounding working effectively for the rest of your life. And there's no... The, the secret to making decent money in life is compounding. The only way compounding works is to start. The only way you can start is to have some level of savings, which means you need to budget. And the only way you're going to budget is if you've got a goal to get somewhere at some stage later in life. And, and all the other ones are just waypoints. They're markers on the way through. 
and there's more specific skill sets. Is it property or shares? Is it both? Where are you going to buy your property? Is it a multi-dwelling? Is it going to be something here? Is it going to be in a trust structure? You're doing it yourself. Are you negative gearing it? What do you do if things go wrong? How have you packed out yourself to avoid an interest rate rise? Um, that everything that goes around that. Are you appropriately insured? Um, you know, what's your risk management look like? They're all markets. You got to know what you want. You've got to be able to budget to save so you have some money to work with and ultimately around that you know it's just getting started and even if you get it wrong just like I did with my first investment it's a stutter step on the journey it doesn't have to be the defining moment oh that didn't work or give up you just go okay why didn't it work and that notion I guess of sort of doing a, a post-mortem as we do on all our trades what worked what didn't um, like we do on all our events what worked what didn't is is how you continually improve. And if you've got that game started and time is going to work for you, you're going to have a fantastic life. And that's what you deserve because that's the reward for doing the right thing. Absolutely. And you're a good example of that, AB. So for all of our listeners out it's there. It's a mutual appreciation society. I think right? so. It's great. Let's just sit here and bask in the glory. Why Absolutely. Don't we? But these are good lessons for all of our all of our our, our our subscribers out there for sure. Hundred percent. No, it's great chatting. I mean, it's a really informal one. It's nice for me to ask you some questions for a change. So, yeah. Uh, Buttons down, sleeves rolled. This is good. I like it. I might come up with a segue to put you on the spot. A really tragic segue for next <laughs> week. I'll see what I can find. Well, until such times, AB. Thank you very much for your advice today. Great to chat. Absolute pleasure. Anytime. There you have it, guys. Make sure you give us a review and a rating. And one more thing, if you know someone that would benefit from the content of today's podcast, make sure you share this link with them so that they can get access to it and start their journey.